Hello, Rue. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. Welcome to episode 14 of Beardy Dads. I'm Rue Reynolds. I have a 15-week-old son called Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary, and I've got a nine-week-old daughter called Lauren and a three-and-a-half-year-old called Toby. And what has your life been filled with this week, Nick? This week, it's been um, been a bit of a busy week at work, mm-hmm. combined with, because it's now Easter holidays, uh, Toby's kindergarten closes during the holidays, so oh. he's been home all week. Okay. Uh, and we've had Joe's parents with us. So it's been, um, yeah, busy week. And I was, I was out um, at a thing uh, last night, all evening, so uh, particularly tired right now. <laughs> yes. How about you? How's your week been? Uh, yeah, tiring as well. Um, we had a wedding last weekend, Yeah, uh, which you had too. We both were at the same wedding. Congratulations, Cameron and Roger. And uh, I think we spent... A couple of days just recovering from that, Oliver slept fairly solidly the next day. So the wedding was on Saturday last week, and yep. he was uh, pretty good, actually. He he napped and he snoozed during the day, um, and he, he fed when he needed to feed. So we were thinking, oh, well, that was, that was fairly straightforward. That was pretty easy. Uh, and the next day, maybe we were too tired, but we, we let him sleep way, way too much, I think. He, he wasn't um, up very much, which meant that night, Sunday night, he really didn't sleep and probably was up every oh hour and a half, every couple of hours, something like that. So having scoffed last week at routine and having said, oh, flexibility's better, I'm, <laughs> I'm now, uh, you know, becoming a bit of a convert. <laughs> That's a real shame. Uh, the, yeah, the, I think Lauren, Lauren did very well during the, during the wedding and the long day. We've struggled with Toby towards the end of the, uh, the, the wedding itself. The, um, <laughs> it was a long day for him, and towards the end, particularly at the reception at the the party, he knew there was going to be dancing. Oh and he wow! Got really excited to do lots of dancing. Yeah, was did he have enough energy left for the dancing? Oh, he had more than enough energy because <laughs> right. because, because it was actually a, a Kaylee, one of these where everyone you get up and they call the dance and. Yeah, you have to follow instructions. Yeah, Americans might know it as line dancing, or if you're from Dorset, you might you might have heard of barn dancing. But Kaylee's yeah. the Scottish the Scottish way, isn't it? That's it. Um, but you know, Toby didn't. Re- he wanted to dance by himself and do his own thing. And uh, yeah, we started getting it close to tantrum stage when we were trying to yeah just try and rein him in a bit. So it, uh, yeah, we let him have some time on the dance floor in between the organised dancers and. Uh, wear himself out but yeah we left soon after got him in the car and i think he was asleep <laughs> 30 seconds down the road he'd certainly been quite busy running around all day yeah yeah quite a handful it was a, a good day all round, i think and mm. yeah the the sleep thing the next day was probably just a lesson learned for us that leaving a baby to sleep might feel quite natural and might feel like the right thing to do but you know they need they need some awake time as well yeah and you kind of want the awake time to be when you want it to be awake, rather than <laughs> right. the middle of the night. Exactly, yeah. Beardy Dads! So, Rue, last week we posed the question, dunk or not to dunk. Uh, have you been swimming this week? No, I'm afraid I haven't. I've wanted to, though, um, and I expect by this time next week we might have been. If we're sufficiently organised, it's definitely high on my agenda at the moment. Well, how about you? You, you said you haven't taken Lauren swimming yet, or, or did I misremember? 
Uh, no, we've not yet. Yeah, again, we, we would like to, but uh, we've just been busy. We, we need to make sure we carve out some time to do that. And I think, as I said, I want to make sure I do it more regularly with Toby, try and make a uh, a regular thing of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, haven't figured out quite when or how we start doing that, but we certainly will soon. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and speaking of swimming, uh, Wes West, the creator of our lovely theme tune, has been in touch, and he's got this to say about swimming. Hi, Biddy Dads. I'm Wes, and I'm father to a 16-month-old girl. Uh, I'm not a very good swimmer, and so I was quite keen to get our daughter into the pool as early as possible. We signed her up for baby swimming lessons from about three or four months and have taken her to the pool ever since. It's a great rainy day activity for us. The lessons are good for building confidence in dunking your little darlings, but they're also quite expensive. So if you want to save some money, you can get much the same information by watching the You Swim videos on YouTube. I'm sure Rue or Nick will add a link to the show notes. The first few times in the pool we were a bit of a scream fest, but once she got used to it, she really started to enjoy it. And now at the age of 16 months, loves swimming and is getting quite good. Our decision to get Martha confident in the water from an early age was validated when one day at the pool I saw a four-year-old boy sat on the side clinging to his mother, bawling his eyes out. Uh, and uh, I got talking to his mum and she told me that it was his first time swimming. They seemed like perfectly nice parents, but getting him used to the water was just something they'd never got round to doing. So chuck him in early, dads. Bye for now, guys. Thanks for that, Wes. I think that would always be my fear, perhaps with toby that if if we don't get into that regular thing then it be, will become a bigger deal and he'll be that that four-year-old sat on the side of the pool not wanting to get in so um yeah i think that that's that's a sort of a timely reminder that we really should get out there and get doing it yeah when i was uh i don't know seven or eight i really hated swimming um and i had to sort of be reintroduced to it mm. and i wonder if it's a similar thing whether i um i should ask my mom about this actually whether i i swam a lot as a little kid but yeah. yeah i'm in exactly the same position I, I want to get all of us sort of acclimatized and accustomed to the water yeah and so i don't want to make a big deal of it it just should be a thing we can do yeah very much looking forward to that we've heard again from graham white who's been in touch with a question about high chairs hey beady dads graham here i've talked previously about um having to buy various bits and pieces for your baby from the uh, travel system to the travel cot and um one of the other things, I guess, that's coming up um, with a baby that's sort of two, three months old and casting your mind forwards a little bit is, um, well, what happens at mealtimes? They're going to need somewhere to sit. And obviously, most babies seem to sit in a high chair of some sort and we're going to need one of those. So, OK, so what makes a good high chair? Which one should I go and buy? And I know even before I go and look, there's going to be millions of them and they're probably going to range in price from next to nothing peanuts to the super duper gold plated extra go faster, you know, mega high chair. So um, if anybody's got any tips for, for what's best in a high chair or particularly good models to avoid or to go for, then I'd be really, really pleased to hear them. So uh, thanks very much. Bye bye. Graham's right again. And as, as I said with the buggies, there's such a choice out there. But this is going to be one of the ones... I can't recommend enough. Oh, have you got a recommendation? I've got a recommendation for high chairs. Oh, good. As with buggies, high chairs are the sorts of things you can end up spending so much money on. Mm. Um, But what I would heartily recommend anyone to do, at least consider, Mm. before they go and spend lots of money, is go to their nearest Ikea and spend £16. That's pretty cheap. 
on the antelope high chair with tray. And here's, here's the extra tip. For an additional four pounds, <laughs> buy a second tray for it. Uh. So this is a moulded plastic high chair seat. And in true IKEA fashion, it's got four legs, metal poles that clip in place. So you, we didn't do this every day. But um, when you put it into storage, the legs just unclip. And you know it doesn't fold flat. Mm-hmm. So that might be a reason some people don't don't like it but so it's not going to be great for traveling but it can disassemble for storage it can disassemble for storage but it wasn't that big to put in the back of the car with the legs taken out okay but for 16 pounds we bought two (laughs) and took one down to my parents right because for 16 pounds you can buy two and just leave one at grandparents it's brilliant it's not fussy there are no nooks and crannies i mean that was one of the problems with we saw like when we've been to holiday cottages who provide high chairs and they have more traditional styles of high chair with the padded, sort of foam padded seats. Mm. It's just full of nooks and crannies with food in and... Places for peas to hide. Exactly, places for peas to hide. But this is such unfussy, simple... It's got a strap, so it's all it's nice and safe. It's solid. And as I say, the, the, that tip about getting a second tray, because as, as they get older... It's a great place for them to do messy play, like painting, that type of stuff. Oh, so you have one for food and then one for messy things. Exactly. You can get them in different colours. I think the trays come in different colours. Suddenly the the chair comes in one or two different Mm colours. But again, for £16, it's not fussy. Interesting. This is very relevant to my interests, Nick, because we don't yet have a high chair for Oliver. Right. And we're getting to the stage where he's sitting up and at dinner time, you know, we'll we'll have him in the bouncy, Mm -hmm. uh, bouncy chair and... If he's near the table and can keep an eye on us, then he'll be happy enough while we're eating. Yeah. But it is he's getting to the stage where, you know, I want to have him sort of sat up with us while we're having dinner. Yes. One question I definitely have for you, though, about the IKEA antelope high chair. Mm-hmm. Does it have adjustable legs? No, the legs are one height, I believe. I don't think they have any extending. I only ask because our dining table is quite high and... Um, have been looking, Rachel and I have been mm-hmm. sort of comparison shopping for high chairs this week and one of right. the features that we've been looking out for is um, leg adjustability. No, we've never really found that to be a problem. I think it might just be we, we've got the right size Ikea table to go with the right size Ikea <laughs> high chair. <laughs> That's but, quite possibly it. <laughs> but no, they, they, they work together. I know, yeah, you can, I mean, I know one of the more expensive high chairs is like a very designer pod on a stem but it's got a, a pedal at the bottom, so like like a barber's chair. You can pump it to raise it and lower it. Oh, right. Even. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if if you figure that that's going to be an important part of the chair, then fine. But yeah, not to the extent that I think it needs a you know foot adjustment, but I was imagining <laughs> yeah. you know being able to extend the legs a bit or, yeah, or something. Yeah, like a but... tripod, you know, telescopic legs somehow. Yeah, maybe it's not a problem, though. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I will definitely have a look at the IKEA antelope. Uh, we've mm. been looking at some high chairs this week that have been, you know, anything 30, 40, 50 quid. So, yeah, something for 20 quid, including a second tray, does sound quite appealing. And, oh, okay, if, you know, I'm, I'm going on the hard sell. You're now. really selling it, yeah. You can put it in the dishwasher. You can put the chair itself in the dishwasher. Take the metal legs off. Wow. And then it fits in 
a normal sized dishwasher so you can really give it a good wash if there's been a proper accident yeah interesting yeah oh well this this sounds even if it's rubbish even if it doesn't work and it sounds like it won't be rubbish but even if it was then 20 quid you know it's almost disposable if you're comparing paying you know 60 70 quid for one then it's almost worth just paying 16 pounds for one of these give that a go and if you don't get on with it then you know it could always be the one you take to the grandparents to have there for when you visit for a weekend type of thing interesting oh wow that's uh yeah that's definitely going on the on the list for consideration yeah Hmm. thank you nick i've got a tip for listeners um i in the last couple of weeks have been feeding oliver from the bottle again but this time not formula because he's uh, he's grown out of that now. We've uh, we've stopped the formula top ups, but instead giving him breast milk from the bottle. So Rachel's been expressing, and we've been keeping some milk safe in the fridge, and it gives her the freedom to go swimming and not be worried that Oliver will be sitting at home starving to death. Mm. The expresser, I don't know what they're called. These milking machines. The pump. Uh, the pump. Thank you. That she's been using is one from Avent. Um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it's working working really well. So at the moment, we've generally got a bottle of milk in the fridge. And it's nice for me as well. I feel like I'm providing, even though mm. the milk has come from my wife. It, it gives me the chance to be the one that, that feeds it to him. And that's uh, yeah. quite a nice feeling, really. You know, when he's looking up at you and yeah. appreciative of the milk that he's ingesting. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying that part of it as well. That's lovely. We've got a, a breast pump somewhere in the cupboard from from when Toby was still breastfeeding. Hmm. Um, I don't think we used it a lot. I think I mean we tried it out to see if it would help. Like, you know everything you described. You know, give Jason a bit more freedom and you know make sure we've got plenty of milk available for him. All that sort of stuff. But because we ended up moving off breastfeeding after about three months, because he just wasn't getting enough, and we had we moved entirely over to formula at that point. Oh yeah. We didn't have a long run of of trying to use the pump. So mm-hmm. um and I don't know what we'll do with Lauren. I think, you know, the feeding's going well at the moment. We're lucky she's sleeping well at the moment. So mm. you know, we don't quite have but then we're we're what, you know, four or five weeks behind. So yeah, give it a few more episodes and <laughs> who knows what <laughs> it will be. For a few weeks we had a manual pump that Rachel wasn't really using very much and you know mm. I, I think maybe had tried it once and hadn't particularly got on with it yeah if anyone's weighing up and deciding whether whether to go with manual or electric I definitely think the convenience of the electric pump rather than hand pumping yeah um, makes quite a big difference um, it there is a slightly uh, farmyard nature to all of these things uh, and I think if you go into it with a sense of humor that helps a lot as well yeah. Um, but yeah having having uh, grown up in Dorset and seen my share of Frisian cows being milked it's definitely (laughs) definitely bringing back memories Uh, yeah 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 Rachel's uh, very amused by it but it's uh it's lovely it's uh, just a really nice extra option to have Uh, and even if we're not you know using express breast milk from the bottle every single day just having that that bit of extra freedom and another chance to use the label maker as well another reason to have handy labels for the lids so you never forget which day of the week you uh, you express the milk. It's great. <laughs> Three dads.
Hi, Rue. Hi, Nick. I was just wondering if you have any tips on taking photos of babies, because I know that, um, Rue, you took quite a few um, when Oliver was just born and still still in hospital, and they were kind of really cool and a little bit different than the, the sort of normal baby ones you see. Uh, and I've been asked a few times to take pictures of babies, and it's impossible, because they're either kind of just completely still and lifeless looking, or they're moving about all over the place, and you just can't keep up with them. So... Yeah, any any kind of tips you've got for how to take good uh, pictures of babies? Mm, interesting question from Darren there. First of all, I must say uh, thank you for the compliment, Darren. That sort of feedback coming from you means a lot to me. I don't know, really. I think what I remember of those first couple of weeks, um, and especially the first week when we were in hospital, was just taking loads of photos, <laughs> probably hundreds, yeah. um, and most of them were rubbish. I think I've thrown away the vast, vast majority of photos I've ever taken in my life, and I think um, with babies it's no different. Most of them are either blurry or boring or the baby looks hideous. Um, so I think there is this sort of natural selectivity with photographs. I tend not to share the average-looking photos or the ones where he's not looking at his best. And that probably yeah. means that, that everyone else in the world has a slightly skewed view of people's babies because <laughs> you're only ever seeing them when they're... You're seeing them you at know, the best, yeah. ...smiling enigmatically or looking looking super cute or whatever. And also, you know, you take so many pictures throughout the day that you're more likely to hit those moments when they look their best. Whereas if you're trying to do an organised... Right, I'm going to spend ten minutes trying to capture the perfect photo, then hmm. you can't coerce them to look their best if, if they're not wanting to <laughs> yeah you just have to be ready for it don't you so yeah. i suppose always having the camera to hand is probably one tip and not having to dig around for it in the bag and then miss that that moment where they're yeah doing something cute or whatever and i think again it's perhaps easier being taking the photos of the parent because you know because they're developing so quickly you know what distracts them or what attracts them changes almost day by day mm. so mm. as the parent you you kind of know well you, know, you discover which sound you can make that right. causes the great reaction. And yeah, I can force a smile by doing this this week. As we said, Lauren's what five or so weeks behind Oliver, but we're we're at that point now when she gives you the warmest smiles possible, and mm. I, I've figured out some of the sounds I can make to trigger those. And <laughs> um, you know, we've, we're starting to get some really nice, really smiley photos of her, and mm. it's just knowing <laughs> how you can how you can trigger those sorts of reactions. But um, with the babies when they're so newborn, there is a truth to the fact that babies are ugly unless they're your your own. Yeah. I think you can sort of look back at photos of a baby, even even your own, a few years later, like with Toby, and you sort of look at them and think that they... Perhaps weren't the most photogenic thing at that point <laughs> in their life. But, you know, you can hardly blame them for those first photos in the first few hours when you consider what they've gone through. Then, Yeah, that's true. In terms of equipment, I suppose having a lens which is capable of operating quite quickly helps. Yes. Like an f1.7 yep. pancake lens is is a massive advantage in the toolkit uh, that's something which i've um as with most good things in my life nick something that i've learned from you uh and stolen shamelessly so the panasonic lens for for the um, little micro four thirds camera that i've got yeah um was was uh entirely bought because I've, i'd seen what lovely photos you'd been taking with the same lens yeah uh and in really low light conditions you know super, super quick really wide aperture that makes a big big difference yeah and because 
the nicest photos you're going to get are when the baby's nice and relaxed and calm. And often that is in the evenings when the lights are dimmer. You, know, yeah. you, you don't want to put bright lights on to to get those photos. So um, that, and again, it's a thing I've noticed between the photos we have of Toby when I didn't have one of those lenses. You know, I had a, a little compact camera um, mm. that how many more photos I had to take then in order to get those small handful that weren't motion blurred or weren't grainy, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and Whereas flash is such an anti-pattern as well for photography. Yeah. If you if you can cope without using a flash, you're going to uh, yeah get much yeah. more enjoyable photos. Unless you go the whole hog and have a professional you know, umbrella and all that sort of stuff for doing... Yeah, all the, all the proper portraiture, which, mm. you know, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, knowing Darren and, and the photography he does, I'm sure he's got all the gadgets you could possibly need. Yeah, to, to do. that's true. Darren takes really good photos and yeah. probably does have all the kit that you would need. Yeah, I mean, he, could, he does proper sort of fashion photography type stuff. Yeah, um, he'd have someone come in and do the makeup first. Yeah, and I guess that's maybe that's part of the problem. He's used to photographing models, whereas babies don't tend to wear makeup. So anyone who's not familiar with Darren's work, go and have a look. It's really, really good. Go to darrenshaw.org and have a look at some of the amazing photographs that he's been taking. Um, And uh, yeah, if anyone else has got any tips for photography, um, because I think this will be a bit of a theme for dads, uh, if you've got any um, particularly good snaps that you want to share with us, uh, and if you've got any tips on how you took them, uh, do get in touch. You can contact us on Twitter as at BeardyDads. And you can email us at podcast at biddydads.co.uk and as you've heard you know we've had already had three great contributions this week and and we would like it when you send us your thoughts whether it is email or whether you record something however you want to do it do get in touch yeah pop an mp3 in an email and uh, we'll include it in the program next week we'll probably be talking about schools and schooling so if you've got any uh, thoughts on that subject uh, then we'd especially love to hear from you about that Beardy dads I've got a book recommendation for you, Nick. What's that, Rue? Well, maybe I briefly mentioned it last week, but um, I've had recommended uh, a book called The Wonder Weeks. Ah, right, yes. Have you come across it? I've heard tell of it. In fact, Graham, who who asked the high chair question earlier, I was chatting with him, and he recommended this book as well. It's very, very popular. Uh, And if you've not heard of it out there, um, I would recommend it. I would at least recommend having a quick look into it to see if it's something that you think might be helpful because for us it's been very helpful in in my house what it is rather than a book that tells you what to do or gives you advice about parenting it tells you what's happening inside your baby's brain and how they're developing week by week so especially during difficult periods where what it describes as the three c's clinginess crankiness and crying things where people start to talk about their baby as being difficult or troublesome or whatever the book says these generally are leaps in mental development. These are periods of your baby going through change in their brain and, and starting to put things together in a different way. It predicts that certain weeks, and I think it measures from the due date rather than from the birth date, uh, but it predicts that there's certain weeks, uh, like the fifth week and um, and the eighth week, and then I think that we're going through one at the moment, which is the, the twelfth week, um, these are times when babies just just changing and will become uh, a lot more clingy, a lot more irritable and, and will need a lot more comforting. Um, and it's been really useful, actually. We found that knowing a bit about what's going on in theory and, 
you know, obviously with a pinch of salt, and it may not be always strictly spot on. But so far we found that at each time when Oliver's been particularly cranky and, you know, needed a lot of extra cuddling and, and not slept as well during the night and that sort of thing, it's coincided with what the book predicted would be the next development leap. And the one that we're going through this week is the the twelfth week one. And apparently this is the time when his jerky, weird puppet-like movements <laughs> that they make where, you know, they've, they've learnt to move their hands but they don't really know how to move them yet. Yeah. Apparently at the end of this development leap uh he'll be a lot smoother uh, so this one they call the smooth transitions leap okay uh and i think annoyingly it coincided with the the wedding i was talking about earlier yeah so maybe quite a lot of the reason that he was up during the night um was just that he was changing and he was he was confused about the world and he was seeing things in a in a different way mm. so yeah it makes uh some suggestions for games and toys that might help them get through that stage and, and help them with each bit of development but mainly for me, just knowing that, you know, this baby is not broken or, yeah. or irritating me intentionally, but it's just, yeah. you know, what they're going through. Uh, and it comes, it's a it's a useful book in its own right, but it comes with apps so that you can have, you know, sort of pocket version of um, a calendar of what, what to expect for your mm. your due date and that kind of thing. Well, that's really interesting because, I, I mean, well, you'll know it can be the hardest thing when you have a few days when your baby is... Uh, you know really well behaved if you like you know they they sleep well they feed well and they're they're just generally nice yeah nice to know and then suddenly you'll just have that day when you can't put them down for 30 seconds without them crying just no no matter what you do you you've fed them you've changed them you've cuddled them and it, that can be really wearing and you start to question you know, what, what are you doing wrong all that sort of stuff exactly so, we're, we're logical people and we look for patterns so mm. if if you've had three or four nights in a row where the baby slept for six hours straight and then one night he doesn't and he just keeps bloody waking up and <laughs> crying and wanting feeding and yeah. uh you know constantly wanting attention and as soon as you put him down starts crying again then you think oh what what have i done wrong today but it could just be that his brain's changed shape that yeah. night do you know what sort of age this book takes you through to? The book goes at least up to 18 months. I think the 75th okay. week is where um, there's, a, there's a particular leap. Um, and yeah, for each one it talks about you know what, what they're going through and what they will be like at the end of it. Mm. Um, so you know what, what skills they'll have learnt and, and all of that sort of stuff. Fascinating. Yeah, it's really, it is really interesting, actually. I'm, I, I'm sure that it's not going to be perfectly spot on for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you're prepared to have a bit of give and take with the dates, then uh, then there's there's hopefully some useful stuff in there. Right, I look forward to hearing more in the coming episodes as weeks go by, how well Oliver is doing to match the book, or the book yeah. matches Oliver. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll see if it if it continues to hold true, and maybe by next week, uh, if his if his motions have become smoother, that will be an interesting sign. Yeah. Crazy dad. Well, Rue, we're coming to the end of episode fourteen. Time for bed, Nick. It is. <laughs> very much time for bed and as ever it's the time we'd like to thank those of you out there who have been in touch who have shared some of your thoughts so um from the twitters thanks to lopter relly matt smart gavin horsfall boris adrian chris beadle and nathan delgrano thank you all for talking to us and about us this week on twitter and of course as ever thank you to wes west not only for his contribution this week but also for his theme tune which we continue to love indeed we do Nothing from iTunes this week. You know. Slackers. Well, there's always next week, Rue. 
There is, yes. If you're listening to this and you're enjoying it, then uh, do feel free to leave a review on iTunes uh, and share your thoughts because we, we, we would love to read them out next week. Yeah. And speaking of next week, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll hopefully be talking about schools and schooling. We will. Um, but do get in touch with any of your thoughts on that. Uh, as we've said, we're at Beardy Dads on Twitter. And we are podcast at beardydads.co.uk when you want to email us your text or your audio files. Great stuff. Well, Rue, I think it's time to go to bed. Oh, my goodness, yes. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for another week, and I'll see you this time next week, Nick. Yeah. Until then, bye. Bye Bye-bye.